Chapter twenty three of Max by Catherine Cecil Thurston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Chapter twenty three. The studio was in darkness. The old leathern armchair was drawn close to the window, and from its capacious depths Blake looked down upon the lights of Paris, while Max, leaning over the balcony, looked upward at the pale May stars clustering like jewelled flowers in the garden of the sky. They had finished dinner, a dinner cooked by Blake in the little kitchen beyond the hall, and empty coffee-cups testified to a meal enjoyed to its legitimate end. The sense of solitude, of an intimate hour, lay upon the scene as intangibly and as definitely as did the darkness. But Max, watching the pageant of the stars, resting his light body against the iron railing, was filled with a mental restlessness, the nervous reaction of the day's triumph. More than once he glanced at Blake, a little gleam of uncertainty flashing in his eyes, and more than once his glance returned to the sky, as if seeking counsel of its immensity. Upon what point was Blake speculating? What were the thoughts at work behind his silence? The questions tormented him like the flicking of a whip, and he marked with an untoward jealousy the profundity of Blake's calm, marked it until goaded by a sudden loneliness he cried his fear aloud. "'Ned, you miss me in these weeks?' Blake started, giving evidence of a broken dream. "'Missed you, boy?' he said quietly. "'I didn't know how much I missed you until I saw you again to-day.' "'And you've made no new friend?' "'Not a solitary one, man, woman, or child.' The reply would have satisfied the most suspicious, and Max gave a quick, deep sigh of relief. "'Ah, oh, I thank God!' In the darkness Blake smiled, looking indulgently at the youthful figure silhouetted against the sky. "'Why are you so absurd, boy?' he asked gently. "'Surely I have proved myself.' "'Forgive me, I was jealous.' With one of his engaging impulses the boy straightened himself and came across the balcony. "'I am a strange creature, Ned. I want you altogether for myself. I want to know you satisfied to be all mine.' Blake looked up. "'Do you know,' he said, irrelevantly and a little dreamily, "'do you know that this is just the speech I could imagine issuing from the lips of your picture? "'Tell me something of this mysterious sister of yours. "'I've been patient until now.' Max drew back into the darkness. "'Of my sister there's nothing to tell.' "'Nonsense, there's always something to tell. "'It's the sense of a story behind the things that keeps half of us alive.' "'Come, I've spun you many a yarn.' With the quiet air of the man who means to have his way, he took out and lighted a cigar. "'Come, boy, I'm listening.' Max had turned back to the railing, and once more he leaned out into the night. But now his eyes were for the meshed lights of the city, and no longer for the stars. His restlessness had heightened to excitement, his heart seemed to beat in his throat. The temptation to make confession, to make a confession here— isolated in the midst of the world, with the friend of his soul for confessor, caught him with the urgency of an embracing gale. To lay himself bare, and yet retain his garments. His head swam as he yielded to the suggestion. "'There's nothing to tell,' he said again. "'That's admitted. All the best stories begin that way.' Max laughed and took a cigarette from his pocket. His nerves were tingling, his blood racing to the thought of the precipice upon which he stood.
one false step, and the fabric of his existence was imperiled. The adventurer awoke in him, alive and alert. "'She intrigues you, then, Maxine?' "'Marvellously, as the Sphinx intrigues me. "'To begin with, why the name? "'You, Max, she, Maxine.' For an instant, Max scanned the dark plantation with knitted brows. Then he looked over his shoulder with a peculiar smile. "'We are twins, mon cher,' he said, taking secret joy in the elaboration of his lie. "'My mother was a Frenchwoman, by name Maxine, and, and when she died at our birth, my father, in his grief, bestowed the name upon us both, the boy and the girl, Max and Maxine.' Very carefully he lighted his cigarette. His whole nature was quivering to the dangers of this masked confession, this dancing upon the edge of the precipice. "'My father was a man of ideas.' He carefully threw the match down into the Rue Muller. "'Your father, I take it, was a personage of his importance?' Blake was momentarily sarcastic. "'A personage, yes,' the boy admitted. "'But that is not the point. The point is that he was a man of ideas, who understood the body and the soul.' a man who trained a child in every outdoor sport until it was one with nature, and then taught it to entrap nature and bend her to the uses of art. He was very great, my father. He is dead? Yes, he's dead. He died the year before Maxine married. Ah, she married. Observe as it might seem, there was a fleeting shadow of disappointment discernible in Blake's voice. Yes, she married. After my father's death, she went to my aunt in Petersburg, and there she forgot both nature and art, and me. And who was the man she married? Max shrugged his shoulders to the ears. Does it serve any purpose to relate? He was very charming, very accomplished. How was my sister, at eighteen, to know that he was also very callous, very profligate, very cruel? These things happen every day in every country. "'Did she love him?' Blake was leaning forward in his chair. He had forgotten to keep his cigar alight. "'Love him?' With a vehemence electric as it was unheralded, Max's voice altered. With a passionate changefulness of the Russian, indifference was swept aside, emotion gushed forth. "'Love him? Yes, she loved him. She, who was as proud as God, she loved him so that all her pride left her, all the high courage of my father left her.' "'And he?' "'The man, the husband?' "'The man?' Max laughed a short, bitter laugh, unsuggestive of himself. "'The man did what every man does, my friend, when a woman lies down beneath his feet. He spurned her away.' "'But, my God, a creature like that!' Again Max laughed. "'Yes, that is what you all say of the woman who is not beneath your own heel. You wonder why I disapprove of love. That is the reason of my disapproval.' the story of my sister Maxine. Maxine, who was as fine and free as a young animal, until love snared her and its instrument crushed her. "'But the man, the husband,' said Blake again. "'The man, the man followed the common way, dragging her with him, step by step, step by step, down the sickening road of disillusionment, down that steep, steep road that is bitter as the way of the cross. "'Boy!' I shock you. You've not travelled that road. You've not seen the morass at the bottom. You've not seen the creature you loved, stripped of every garment that you wove, as has my sister Maxine. You do well to be shocked. 
You've not been left with a scar upon your heart. You have not viewed the last black picture of all, the picture of your beloved as a dead thing, dead ever some affair of passion so sordid that even horror turns to disgust. You do well to be shocked. Dead? repeated Blake, caught by the sound of the word. He died, then? He killed himself, killing himself when all the wrong was done. And your sister? Your sister, where did she go? What did she do? What does a woman do when she's thrown up like wreckage after the storm? What she does as her temperament directs. I, I think your sister would go back to nature, to the great and simple things. With a tense swiftness the boy turned from his fixed contemplation of the sky, his glance flashing upon Blake. One must be naked and whole to go back to nature. One fears nature when one is wrecked from the storm. Then she turned to art? No, my friend, no. Art, like nature, exacts, and she had already given. She was too frightened, too hurt to meddle with great things. She dried her tears before they had time to fall. She hardened her heart and went back to the world that gives nothing and exacts nothing. Poor child, said Blake. Poor child. She went back to the world, and the world poured oil on her wounds and soothed her fears and taught her its smiling, shallow ways. Poor child. The reiterated word had a curious effect upon the boy. His fierceness dropped from him. He turned again to the railing and, looking upward, seemed to drench himself in the coolness of the starlight. For years she lived her shallow life, she took lightly the glight gifts the world offered. Among those gifts was love. Stop! cried Blake involuntarily. You are tarnishing the picture. I am only painting in crude colours. Much love was offered lightly to Maxine, and she took it lightly. Then one day her friend the world brought for her consideration a suitor more powerful, more distinguished, even less exigent than the rest. "'Stop! Stop!' cried Blake again. "'I can't see her as this hard woman. She frightens me.' "'She has sometimes frightened me,' said Max enigmatically. "'But that is outside the picture. "'She took, as I tell you, with both hands, "'smiling very wisely to herself, holding her head very high. "'But when the head is held too high, "'the feet sometimes fall into a trap. "'It came suddenly, the trapping of my sister Maxine.' "'Yes, yes, tell me.' "'I am telling you, my friend. "'The date of Maxine's marriage was fixed, "'and she moved through her world content. "'One night a great court function was held. "'She was present, her fiancé was present. "'The atmosphere was all congratulation, "'like honey and wine. "'When it was over, "'the fiancé begged the privilege of escorting her to her home, "'and they drove together through the cold Russian night. "'They spoke little.' Maxine's thoughts skimmed lightly over the future. Her hands lay lightly in her fiancé's. All was unemotional, all was smooth and undisturbed, until they reached the street where her house stood. Then, with the swiftness that belongs to mad moments, the beam beside her showed himself. Quick as a flash of lightning, the dignified, distinguished, unexacting lover was effaced, and in his place was a man, an animal, a passionate egoist, he caught her in his arms, and his arms were like arm bands. His lips pressed hers, and they were like a flame. In a flash, the fabric of her illusions was scattered. She saw the truth. 
The world had cheated her. The second marriage was to be as the first. Terror seized my sister Maxine. Terror of life. Terror of herself. Her false calm broke up as the ice breaks under the hand of spring. Wells of fear gushed in her heart. She dismissed her lover at the gateway of her house. He guessed nothing. He knew nothing but that her hands were shaking and that her face was white. But when he was gone, she rushed to her own room, cast off all her jewels, wrapped herself in a fur cloak, and commanded her sledge and her swiftest horses. "'Boy!' cried Blake. "'What a situation!' She drove, drove for hours, feeling nothing of the biting cold, seeing nothing of the imprisoning white world about her, goaded by one idea, the terror of life, the terror of giving herself again. "'She fled?' cried Blake, with sudden intuition. She never returned to Petersburg. He had risen from his chair. He was supremely, profoundly interested. She never returned to her own house. Three days after that wild drive, she left Russia, left Russia, and came to you, cried Blake. What a superb situation! She came back to you, the companion of her youth, to you, adventuring here in your own odd way. Oh, boy, it's great! "'It is strange, yes,' said Max, suddenly curbing himself. "'Strange! It's stupendous!' Blake caught him by the shoulder, wheeling him round, looking straight into his face. "'Boy, you know what I am going to ask. You know what I am wanting with all my heart and soul.' The pressure of his hand was hard. He was the Blake of rare moments, the Blake roused from nonchalant good nature into urgency of purpose. Max felt a doubt. A thin, wavering fear flutter across his mind. Mon cher, he stammered, I do not know. How could I know? It's this, then. With all my heart and soul, I want to know this sister of yours. End of chapter 23